Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a video cast, a podcast, if you need a studio build, if you have uh, you know remote shooting, call these guys. Joe is awesome. He's Him and Matthew are just amazing. And you can check them out at Sweet, S-U-I-T-E, Recording. Dot com or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. So we have a great show today. You know, I, I've never met this guy. I was I was at a Jersey man holiday party and he was he was leaving. And you know, you don't want to sit there and go out to people when they're leaving and go, oh yeah, I haven't met you because they're gonna blow you off. And not not because they want to, but just they're in a rush. So you know, I sat there, I reached out to him because he has so much stuff going on. I, I was if if someone could be if a person could be a juggernaut. This gentleman would be a juggernaut. And he's PCS, uh, Liberty Fox Technologies, cyber, pilot man, jersey man. He's on Good Day Philly. And it's Anthony Mangialuso. Look at that. Good, good pronunciation. Well, you know, it's funny. My wife's Italian. And her, I, I know her as Joanne Butaro. But when we got married a few years ago, the the minister was like, Butaro. And I'm like, you know, she's saying his na- name's wrong. So I always ask, because I've learned growing up, I, my best friend was Mark Esposito. He was Italian. And his mom always said, just look the way it looks and pronounce it. Don't overthink it. So I thought, well, manga would manja, manja. So anyway, so how you doing today, man? We're good. We're good. Better than the weather out there. Oh, God, it's so awful. So uh, I got to ask you, you know, there's so much going on. I know you started PCS in your bedroom, you know, 20, 20 22 years ago. 20 years, 22 years this month. What were you like as a kid? Were you always like a, a kid who wanted to get into technology and be a business owner? Were you just a kid like, like, Normal kids who are like, ah, you know, we're just going to screw around. Or were you that kid in high school who like sold shit out of his trunk or did that? I mean, what was what was your childhood like? So it's funny. I, I always thought of myself, I guess, as a normal kid. But, you know, when you ask that question, I actually started my first business when I was 12 or 13. I used to go uh, hustling at the flea markets, buying and selling used video games. And uh, ultimately, I ended up buying some computers. Right now, I'm going to age myself here. I'm 42. But the uh, computers were 486s and 386s. And I actually had an online business in Philly called a bulletin board system from when I was 15 to 17. Basically, people would pay me 20, 30 bucks a month. Now, remember, inflation, 20-some years. That's pretty good money for a 15-year-old kid. I had a couple hundred clients. And then uh, my parents moved. So I had to take that business down because uh, long-distance calling was very expensive in 97. Now, wait. Where, where did you grow up at? I grew up in uh, Southwest Philly, 75th and Elmwood Street, kind of kind of by the airport. And then you moved over here to Jersey? Yep, moved to Jersey. Okay, so when you had this business, when you started, what got you into computers? Because I'm, I'm, I'm 58, okay? And I remember when I, I went to Stockton. I know you went to Rowan. Yep. I love state college people. I went to Stockton when it was Stockton State. Now it's university. I think Rowan's now university. Rowan's university, yeah. I, I remember I, I went to my friends. I would visit them at Glassboro State. Yeah, Glassboro State. Spring Fling. We threw my friend's fire uh, couch into a fire. But for me, like computers were... On the end, you know, like like Stockton got computers when I was there. And I have friends who got into computers when it was blowing up, when you were a systems engineer and you were getting thrown huge money at to leave companies. For you, you're the generation a little behind that there was computers were big, but they weren't as big. What got you into computers as a kid? Like, what did you, were you just, you looked at them and you understood it or what you got? I can't, cause I can't figure them out. So two things. One, I wish I learned computers a little, a little earlier. I had to be a quick learn and a quick study. I didn't, I didn't really get my first computer until I was 14. So I had that business going and all that, you know, right away. But um, basically what got me into computers is I love to play video games, right? Now, back then the really good games weren't Nintendo and Super Nintendo. They were your PC games. But in order to play them, it's like the, the kids today, right? We always say this about the next day. Hey, if it's so easy, 
Well, back then, the computers, you know, you'd have four gigs of RAM, you'd have, 10, you'd have four megs of RAM, right? <laughs> and you had sound, 16-bit sound, not this surround sound, 7.1, all that kind of stuff. So you used to have to actually write programming language to create a boot disk to basically take what little resources you had at that system to make sure it was fully uh, directed to run that game. So, and there was no Google, there was no manual. So I always say the old school computer people like myself, you understand how it works because you literally worked under the hood. Everything's now point and click, graphic, Google it. You don't really need to know as much. So you love computers. You decide to go to Rowan. Okay. Is computers, is that, is that your major? Or do you, do you, are you one of those people that you knew because you had started a business that you really didn't have to go to college, but your parents wanted you to do? Or I mean, what made you go to college? Because it seems like you could have just gone straight out of the chute and started a business because you already had a business when you were like 15. Yeah, so uh, basically this, right? What we're doing right here. I was a radio TV film ma- major. I never thought that, you know, I would get in IT. It was more of a, more of a hobby for me. And uh, a, good, a good friend of mine still to this day, a professor actually, uh, forced me into the College of Business and into uh, Management Information Systems, which is basically an old college degree for computers. And, um, you know, really from there, I started fixing computers on campuses and helping some people out. And uh, my next door neighbor needed help one day, and she is at a uh, real estate office. <coughs> so she uh, put my card everywhere, and uh, 22 years later, here we are. So I started with all the realtors at uh, Fox and Roach back in the day, Prudential Fox and Roach. It's funny because I think they were part of Fox and Lazo. Yes, they were. I went to high school at Billy Fox. So Billy Fox, quick funny story on Billy Fox, senior or junior? Uh, the young, um, one my yeah, age. I just, yes, okay. I, uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah I went to high school. Yeah. That was a bad I went, one, I went, sorry. I went to high school with an 80 say, year old guy. Cut Thanks, that one. Anthony. Cut that one. We said Billy, <laughs> everyone calls him Junior. Everyone calls I, him I Junior. Just, I've known Billy. I went elementary school. Billy Fox could have been your teacher, maybe, yeah, mentor. We, I don't know. But uh, either way, funny story. So I'll never forget this, which led to my best month of sales. I'm walking in, it's it's August of like, you know, 1999, 2000 or whatever. And I really don't have things established. I don't I don't think in, in a month I've ever billed more than $2,000 at this point. Well, through the window, Bill Fox Jr. is like, yeah, who's this kid walking up to the office? And I hear him. And uh, my friend Paul, he's like, oh, that's, that's the PC Pro. He's, he's going to fix some computers here. He's like, he looks like he's 12. <laughs> I went home dejected, depressed, you name it. My dad being my Italian father, he's, he's laying on the couch with his silk pajamas. And uh, we'll keep it the clean version because there were some expletives here. But he's like, what's the matter? I said, I think I'm a joke. He said, I look like a kid. He goes, put on a tie. Guess what? The next month we did three thousand in sales and never looked back. So See, yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. Because Bill, I mean yeah, we I mean we've known each other forever. I haven't seen him in years. But okay, so you're starting your business, you're billing, you have a great month. When do you start knowing that you have something? Like you know this is going to go somewhere. Like you know, I mean, do you automatically try to hire someone right away, or do you wait and say? I got I my business degree's coming in. I can't because you know people. Yep. A lot of people, you know, fake it till they make it, especially yep. these days. But so when when do you start saying I'm in the groove? I can start building this business. So you know what? I really want to make my parents proud, and they wanted me. You know, they were entrepreneurs. They owned the bar business, and you know, Philly was tough. Let's just we'll just put it that way. Philly was tough, and you know, the later years of the bar business wasn't that great for them. Um, so I wanted to get a safe, secure job so my parents could be like, oh, here's a college graduate. So what ended up happening was that month when I had my best month, it made me really start thinking because I accepted a job at the time with the USGSA, the General Services Administration over in Philly, paying a whopping 32000 a year, which, you know, I was a kid, right? And um, But what happened was I realized after three months of working there, because I was doing my side hustle nights and weekends, I didn't use a paycheck. 
I didn't touch one dime of my government money. And then near the end of the year, I nailed a, a big big corporate contract with a plastic and glass manufacturer that literally I was secure for the next two years. So I didn't go to work for them, but I worked there three days a week as the PC pro. And that's when I cut ties and that's when we just let it roll. So I actually didn't tell my parents for a couple of months that I was working somewhere else. They were, one, they were wondering, hey, what's going on? How's Drag? Works good. Works good. So, so you, I, quit, I quit quietly. So you're, you're doing good. You're a young guy. You're eager. And now when do you start hiring people? When do you sit there and say, it's time to branch out. Like you said, your parents own bars. You know, the old thing was restaurants. You know, I grew up in Cherry Hill and there'd be a restaurant and all of a sudden they'd be hot and then they'd build out. Yep. And then they'd start losing business. When I lived in LA, this hot dog place, Guy Fieri went there. And all of a sudden they built out because everyone went there for like six months. And then, holy crap, you know, we're we're falling apart. It's not, it, you know, it's hard to keep momentum, especially, you know, for yep. the bars and restaurants unless you do crazy stuff. So when do you sit there and say, okay, I can hire someone. And, and what did you hire? What was their position as? Because as you said, you're, you're the CEO, you're the owner, even at the whole time. But for a while, it was just you. Now you have like, what, 200, 250 employees? Yeah, quite a few. But what was it like? Who, who was that person you hired? Like, was it someone you knew and you said, hey, or is it someone that you were like, I got to get someone who knows what the hell they're doing? So this this is really wacky, right? So um, my first employee actually worked out of my parents' house. I decided to hire that first employee when I knew that I could. I had enough hours of work. If they didn't work a dime, I could cover them and still eat. Now, granted, let's put an asterisk. I'm still living at home, so I didn't have a lot of the same responsibilities of mortgaging utilities and all that. Um, but I was always a showman, right? You like you like '80s music. I used to watch '80s wrestling. You know, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Well, don't you know? I resigned from the government. Everything's nice. Like they gave me two years of like uh, paid benefits or whatever to try to entice me to come back. Well, there was a guy that worked there that worked for the IT. He's packing my stuff up, right? I'm getting packed up in like the box. Like, you know, this is a very amicable, but it's just, you know, it's federal, federal or whatever procedure. And as the elevator doors close, I'm going, you're going to work for me one day. You're like, just like doing the Muhammad Ali, like talking a little trash. Randomly, I hire a recruiter because I didn't know how to hire anyone. I'm you know, 21, 22 years old. <laughs> I hire that guy. Um, turned out to be a medium technician, but at the time we were doing residential. So he was probably overqualified, but he would have never made it in you know, PCS today. But you know, it got us going because I would say back then my business was 80% residential, 85% at a couple big uh, corporate contracts that I handled. And then I need someone to go, you know, install printers and scanners and do the homework kind of stuff. How did you get the corporate contracts? Because you know, once again, you're a young kid, yep. as you said. Billy Fox uh, would sell you and said, "Oh, this." And you, right yeah. now, you look, you look young. I mean, you walk in, I'm like, "Holy crap!" He looks like he's like 23, hey, and you we'll still take it now, 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 yeah, now, now, it's, it's a, now it's a compliment. <laughs> but no, so how do you? How were you getting them? Were you just aggressive, or were you just a nice guy? Because once again, it's a corporate, and you're most residential. Yep. I mean, back then. You couldn't do as much research because we didn't have the internet. Like now you can just Google. So, you know, you can be completely full of crap and people will be like, oh, okay. I ran that when I was in the comedy. People were like, oh, I did this show. Yeah. No, you didn't. You didn't write for Leno. You sent him a fax. You know, it was like every comic used to send faxes to Jay Leno. And if they pick one of your jokes, you get 50 bucks and they go, oh, I'm a Jay Leno writer. Yeah. No, he bought a joke. But so how are you, how are you getting in? How are you, first of all, how are you getting into these corporations being so young and being so young looking? So a couple things happened, right? So one, realtors, if you actually look at my early form of marketing, I actually marketed like a residential realtor, right? The best, the best compliment you could give me is a referral to family and friends, right? I give you, I'd give you, and my friends still make fun of me of this, I, cr I printed Anthony dollars, right? And if you referred me, you know, you get a free hour of service. So I was enticing people that way. But I was lucky in a sense where a lot of my residential clients were Metford, Morristown, Voorhees, 
which led to a lot of business owners. So the wives would tell their husband, hey, you, you complain about your IT. This kid's pretty good. Why don't you meet him? Um, so between doing stuff like that and then, like you said, you know, the chamber, right? I started joining these chamber of commerces and B&Is and I just hustled, man. I just went out there and as I started to build a resume, like Metford, for instance, I did Harry and I still do. Bob's one of my best friends. You know, 20-year-old kid. And at the time, they were 75-year-old oil business. I had instant trust. Oh, who do you do in town? I do Harriet's Oil. Well, okay, they've been around almost 100 years, I guess, you know. I guess the guy's okay. So, um, But I definitely lost some business because of my age and, you know, I would say even just lack of business experience, right? There's, there's, You can't teach experience. Now, okay, so you're, you're doing well for yourself and you're still young. Now, let's say, okay, now as you get to like 26 or 27, your company's growing. At what rate were you growing? Were you growing like a shitload of clients and then you had to hire people or were you – were you sitting there and getting clients and instead of hiring someone working your butt off? I mean, how are you, how are you handling getting bigger? Because we know you got bigger because we're going to continue where you are now, but at the, in those early stages when you're growing and someone who's young and you really don't know what's going on with the business. Cause we think we know, cause at that age we know everything, right, right. but then you go, Oh my God, wait a second. I just double booked three jobs. And I how are you handling it? How are you hiring people? What was your, rate, was it a rapid growth or was it a slow climb and then you hit a hump and just went hit the tipping point? I would say all the above at different rates. So at the beginning, I mean, people thought we were nuts. We were growing, you know, some years like 700% growth, like these insane numbers. But granted, the numbers were a lot smaller too. Um, but, you know, I was single, no kids. And, um, you know, I was willing to work 80 to 100 hours a week. I was willing to do whatever it took. And um, the other thing that's great, I still have a lot of those original people with me. You know, we were all in the trenches together. So if things got into a jam, we still say to this day, we're like, what problem haven't we ever been able to solve? So, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of growth. I, but crazy enough, I would say our, our biggest growth um, has been the last three years. We hired probably over 100 people since uh, the pandemic. It's crazy. Now, how did you get there? I mean, you know, think about it, you know, you, you go I and mean, 20 years is a long time, 22 years. Yep. It, it, that's a very long time. And, and it wasn't like you joined, you work for a company for, 20, right. you were the company. Like in the beginning, it was you. And then, I mean, okay. So after five years, how many employees do you have? So I'd like to say 30, um, but I could tell you this, I met my wife, uh, we'll be married 10 years. Uh, so probably eight years into the business, I thought I'd around 30. She uh, kindly reminds me I had 11 or 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay, so you have 11 or 12. So then 10 years into the business, or 15 years into, how many do you have in 15 years into the business? 15 years into the business, we got to about probably 80. And now what do they all do? Are they all techs? Are they salesmen, business development? What what is what kind of people do you hire? Yep. So we're mostly tech heavy engineers, uh, cyber folks, uh, cybersecurity. And when I say that, we're not a well, I have a different company that does cyber work, but there's just a lot of security minded folks now because of what's going on. Uh, we have all our marketing in house, uh, accounting's in house. So um, and believe it or not, people think I'm crazy with this. We only have like three salespeople now. But for the first like 17 years, it was me and one salesperson. Why? We had so much business coming in. It's, you know, there comes a time, right? We were able to, to able to service business. We could handle more business. We always try to grow now for capacity. And um, if you're growing like 20%, 25%, 18 years in, you know, Pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. So you don't want to come to the point where, you know, you want to make sure your core product's always the best. So you're working, so we said about the pandemic. So the pandemic happens and, you know, for some people, it was awful. For some people like you, it was great. 
I mean, I call Medium. The first three or four months, man, sucked. What was going through? Okay, what was going through your mind when when the pandemic hit? Because you're the business owner. Because I, I I talk to entertainers who have gone through this and they're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, we know. Whoa, the tour will end, but we'll go back. You're a business owner. You have people that need to get paid. Yep. So what is going through your mind when you hear we're shutting down? Like I remember the day me and my wife have already married for like. Three months, then the shutdown happened, and I was like, "Oh, great!" But, uh, but what was it like for you? I mean, were you were you stressing? Did you sit there and go, "I got to really take you know, these people are my employees, and you're a good guy. You don't seem like a prick." And it's like you sitting there, you worry about you know, and you're Italian, right? Yeah. And my wife's Italian. You know, you you, you got loyalty. Yeah. That's that's what that's loyalty, and yet it, that's something that's great it's about in our, Italians. It's in our blood. Yeah. So what what was your thought when you said when they said, "Okay, it was March like 18th. We're closing." Restaurants are closing. This is closing. As a business owner, what do you go through? Well, and remember, as a multi-business owner, right? Like everyone used to think it's great that I own all these companies and you know Jersey Man, like you said earlier, and Cyber and all this. Well, they're all small businesses, right? And um, frankly, uh, I'll give you the clean version. It was oh crap, right? This sucks. And ironically enough, like two or three months before that, you know, my wife's like, ah, how do you think the year's going to go? And you know, whatever. I said, I got to tell you. This is going to be our best year. And there was no talk of COVID, like nothing even exists. I said, she's like, well, what do you think it stopped you? I'm like, the world's shutting down, like as a joke, right? <laughs> Three months later, she's like, don't ever say that again. But um, yeah, so what I, what I did, I mean, thankfully, we always run a financially stable organization. And, um, you know, you have to save for a rainy day. And what I did, so my staff felt very comfortable was I put a video out to everyone. I made sure people saw my face. Now, this is all Zoom, right? Because everyone's at home. And I said, listen. I'm committed to keeping 100% of the team members. That's going to happen. You're not going to lose your job at PCS. And it wouldn't have been fair, right? Because there were some people that could remotely work and do tech and all this other stuff. The field people, they want to work. They're not allowed to. That's not fair. So I said, look, the bottom the bottom line promise is, I said, when you come back to this office and you look left and you look right, you're going to see that same friend and that same familiar face. And, um, you know, we stuck with it. Thankfully, it worked good. I said, the only thing I'm going to pr- tell you guys is there's probably not going to be a raise this year, right? right? I think that's pretty fair. No, hey, keep your job. And, um, yeah, the first three months were miserable. You know, I thought two weeks was a long time to shut down, but I figured we'd get through. And it's just, I think every business owner, right? Every time, oh, one more week, two more weeks. We almost got it. And, um, and definitely, though, it definitely helped businesses in a lot of ways, the ones that survived, because the technology posture across the board, whether you're a PCS client or not, it's... It's more robust, right? You have work from home is now not like, oh, maybe it's you better have that option. Now, when did you start feeling the uptake? Because as you said, the, the company's grown in the yep. last three years. When did you sit there and say, you know what? This people working from home and businesses working, this, this is good for us. Because once again, people, you know, people don't know computers. I, I do my one podcast out of my house. I, I do networking stuff. I, I suck at computers. I, I sat there the other day. I was trying to figure something out. Like I was meeting some guys from college on Zoom, and I forgot my headphones were plugged in from something earlier. So when you know, were there a lot of us that just don't know? And older people, you know, I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm actually hip for my age. I know people don't go, "What the hell?" You know, what Zoom? I'm yeah. not zooming. You know, and you you run into it. When did you sit there and go, "Wow, we are on to something here"? Because as you said, you've grown during a pandemic when a lot of businesses slowed down. I think, you know, if you look over the 22 years, there was a lot of aha moments, right? You know, 16 years ago, we hooked up with a company out in Haddonfields, uh, no longer in business, but they needed folks to fly around the world and reset up AIG's offices. We got selected to do that. Um, there was a time where 
probably 06, 07, it was before Chris Christie was in, we had a, uh, a contract with the state to help all those folks across the New Jersey that had brain injuries. That was a big state contract. Um, so I think there's like these different level up moments, right? You know, we got into, right before the pandemic, we got into ransomware recovery on a global basis, right? So we have folks that go all over the world. Again, COVID now allows us to do a lot of that work remotely, which makes us more efficient. Before COVID, it was, it was planes, trains, and automobiles. So now instead of having to send 10 people, I might have to send one person so we could handle more jobs. So there's just been a lot of separate aha moments that I think they snowball, right? You, you build your staff up to do this. And you know for this year, 2023 coming up, I'm really looking a lot into AWS. Uh, we did a silent launch on our website, didn't announce it because who wants to be on social media this time of year? We want to party a little bit and see family and friends. So we're going to announce that in January. And um, looking at some some compliance too. I mean, so we're always trying new things. And a lot of times your clients in the market is your best marketing team. You know, once you start hearing the same question three, four, five, six, seven times, hmm, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but if these people are asking me, I'm sure there's a lot of others that have interest. So, yeah, we're going to just keep grinding that way and just looking for different things. Now, how did you get involved with Good Day Philadelphia? Because anything, you know, when I lived in Hollywood in L.A., you see you see celebrities all the time. I'm, I have friends who are celebrities. It's just normal. Yeah. But here, if people see someone on TV, like you're on TV. Now, you're a business owner. They don't know that you have this huge business. They see you as someone who's on TV. Right. And then that automatically they go, I want to do business with them because- mm -hmm. They're on TV. How did the Good Day Philadelphia whole thing start? Because you said it's been 15 years. Yeah, it's going to be 15. Which is, is just amazing. And it's like, it's crazy. I mean, Chanel, whatever, she was on probably. Chanel, I was at her going away party okay, her yeah, last day. See, that's just amazing. And, and Mike Jericho almost made me cry on the air on that thing. It was like, that was like the only time Mike was pretty much ever serious. But like literally all the us, they call us the regulars that are on all the time. And when Mike starts losing it, uh, half of us almost did, but really, really a dumb luck thing. So when I had my office in Collingswood, uh, the guy who worked there, he was in the uh, marketing and advertising business. And he said to me, he's like, listen, he's like, you need to get a PR guy. He's like, you're a computer guy that can actually like talk and has a personality. And he's like, I'm telling you, you'd benefit so much from PR. So I interviewed a few firms and I met this guy, Tom, right? And he's the, the Galileo, I always say the Galileo, and I, said, I always call him Peric, but it's Perridge if you're listening, Tom, I know you're Croatian. But um, basically, we hired him, and he best business pitch, by the way, for anyone listening, all these PR companies, blah, 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 like, you know, 10 pages of this, their background, their firm. He's like, he comes over with Anthony's one-page PR plan. I'm like, boom, that's how I am. I'm a bullet point guy, right? So... Um, I have a newsletter that we sent to our clients and the conficker worm, right? Now we're talking ransomware every day. It was the April Fool's Day worm. It's going to take out the internet. <laughs> Voice over IP is going to go get dismantled. He forwarded that newsletter to Michelle Buckman, who was Dealer Dud and a few other segments on Fox. So she picked me to come on. You know, it was supposed to be a one-time gig. There was no, hey, there's another one coming. Just around that time, they needed a go-to IT person. Their IT guy didn't want to go on TV. And uh, they, I think they were trying to get someone from University of Penn, but the school or whatever wouldn't allow them. So they kind of gave me a live audition on the air. So I did this first segment with them like uh, end of March. I called the 25th to get people prepped. Well, then I did Good Day on April 1st and then had hosted a live chat with all the viewers like, hey, how do I prepare for all this and all that? So from there, it got a little crazy. 
I was doing the good day, I was doing the five o'clock news, and I was doing the evening news. So I was hitting the bridge six times a day, sometimes three days a week. So Michelle Murray, I think she's in Florida now. She's like, hey, look, we know we're killing you probably. It's too much. And who won't want to be on TV if that's what you, if that's what you liked? So they gave me a uh, weekly weekly hit on Fridays. So I was on the five o'clock news every Friday. You know, here's your weekly tech tips, you know. And um, then they had a weekend show, hashtag, and this was more recent. That was like four or five years ago. So out of my tech tank, my mobile office, I would do segments every weekend. And um, now we're back on good day, so. Now, did you notice, did you get business from that? You know what? I can't see any direct business. I'll be honest with you. Like I remember when that Conficker worm came out, I was like, "Oh man, I'm the I'm the guy. My phones are gonna blow up because I'm on TV and everyone's gonna be scared." And it didn't really work out that way. I joke around. There was one intoxicated person that kept calling the office asking for a link to the video. So that was kind of weird. But what I can tell you is, and here's where the link comes: I get so many more speaking engagements because of the visibility on TV. So what happens is. You know, I'll get called to like NJCPA or, you know, some chamber or some association. And you'll see like Anthony Mongeluzzo featured on Fox 29, like real big. And then underneath it's like, oh, yeah, president of PCS, right? Well, I also read, now, did you speak at a, at a commencement, Rowan's commencement? I did, yeah. Okay, now, no, it's funny because I always, a guy I went to, was a few years older than me from Stockton, was Northwestern University soccer coach. He just, he's been on the show. He's just retired after 20 years. I'm like, yeah, I get Tim Lenahan on, yep. on the sh- on, at Stockton to speak. You know, you got to do it. How did it come about? And how cool is that? Because that's one of those things, you know, when you're graduating, you're not listening to the convention speaker. Right, you're right. thinking about going out and partying. But for everyone else, you're like, wow, this is impressive. How did that come about? And was it a huge honor? Yeah, it was a huge honor. I wish I got to say more. Literally, at commencement, I got to say like, you know, five words basically because they did this thing, right? So once I got the business going, I graduated in 02. Uh, the. Um, the uh, dean at the time, or the head of Rowan, I should say, was uh, Dr. Farish, who unfortunately passed about two years ago. He was a great guy. And um, so 10 years in, you know, I won the Philly 100. We're in the Philly 100 Hall of Fame, 40 under 40, this Inc. 5000. You know, we had all these awards. So I started, probably a little too boldly, I started applying for the Distinguished Alumni of the Year from Rowan. I applied every year, every year. Now, typically, if you look at the distinguished alumni, little gray hair, probably about three, four more zeros in their top line sales than I had at the time. And um, one day I get a call from Farish's office. I'm like, Farish wants to talk to you. I'm like, holy crap, I pulled this off. I did it. And he's like, Anthony, Joe, you know I'm calling him. Like, I won the I won the distinguished alumni award. He's like, no, not at all. He's like, you need like 20 more years. You. He's like, I'm. He's like, you're doing a phenomenal job, but like. Chill out, buddy. So I'm like, you got to be calling me for something good, though. He's like, well, I want to see if you want to be interested in something. I'm like, yeah. He's like, listen, we've realized that you're doing a good job, and there's a lot of other folks from Rowan that are doing a great job, too. He said, we want to create an award called the First Ever Young Distinguished Alumni Award. We'd like you to have that honor. And what it'll entail is we want you to speak to all the incoming freshmen at Convocation, and then we're going to present you with the award basically at commencement. You say thank you and all that, and um, you're going to be part of the program. The other neat thing about it, it's been a while since I got that award. I was like 2010. Every year, graduation now, they slide it around. So I guess this year will be the 13th. I, people sending me pictures. Like my phone blows up. Who is it? What are you? You're on the big screen at Rowan. That's cool. Because they, they, they go through every distinguished alumni and young distinguished alumni. So what I will say, hopefully one day we get the distinguished. I stopped applying. Figure, got to give it a 20-year cool down. Um, 
But to be the first at something, especially at a uh, you know nationally recognized university, is is always cool. Oh, that's awesome. Now I want to talk about your entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. you are involved with a shitload of companies. A lot. I mean, like people, you know, some people go, oh, I I have this. He's like, he's. Uh, tell me, when did you start branching out? And 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 later, I want to find out how you have the damn bandwidth. Mm-hmm. When did you sit there and say, because your company's doing great, you're yep. building. Most people would say, okay, this is my this I've done this, but not you. What made you decide to start branching out? Really, like earlier, like I said, like how we're getting different different product lines, always looking at new things, that next aha moment. So I really try, and especially being out so much, right, and talking to so many various business owners, kind of kind of get a pulse. I almost feel like I'm getting the news before the news, right? Because all the news is always your groundswell, it's your ground game, and who you're talking to. So when I started Pro Computer back then, I started making websites. It was an easy way to make money where it wasn't on demand, right? If I tell you your website's going to be up by January 15th, you don't care if I'm doing it at midnight on Saturday night. But if your computer's down, I better be there fixing that for you right now. Um, so I found someone who was a great graphic designer, and um, we started a web business. Well, then again, keep going, keep going, keep going. I ended up jumping into a uh, phone business, which that one ultimately didn't do that great because um, the, the company was just, they were they were on their way out. They thought I was going to be the, the young guy to pick him up. And then we got too much work. I'm like, I don't want to work this hard. Um, but yeah, so cybersecurity, you know, found in that company, you know, there's just different different things you're seeing. When I, when I keep getting asked a lot of questions, I know that means people need an answer. They need a solution. And thankfully, with all the years of doing this, I have a pretty good platform to get the word out there pretty quick and you know, really have you know, a lot of relationships and a lot of trust in the community. So it makes it, I'm not going to say easier because it, it is very time consuming, uh, but there's also a lot of great people out there helping me. My business partners are phenomenal. Now, you have all these companies. You look, you know, Liberty Fox, Cyberpilot, ones you, we can't say, yep. you know, because people get pissed. They go, he's yeah. got all these companies. He's competing with me. I didn't even know it. It's like when you see Anthony Anderson, the actor on TV, like, well, he's got a TV show and he's got like a game show. And you're like, you're taking all the work. Stop taking all the work. Uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one that won't piss anyone off. Um, so actually, when I started uh, working with the realtors at Prudential, now Berkshire, what I did was, so once a year, I would give business whoever referred me the most. So in my 20s, I was buying Metford Mill condos. I was they were only 78 grand and you know you're putting 10% down back then, right? And there was no limits on commercial mortgages. So um yeah, I have a, I have a company called Mondrealty and uh, literally all I do is rent condos in Metford Mills to people. So again, I was a way for me to give back to that realtor that gave me the most business and it created a little competitive juice. So um so we did that for many years in a row, probably 8 10 years just buying condos. Now, now, how did you get involved with Jersey Man? Because that's completely yeah. separate. That's and you know, I'm actually going to be in the January uh, magazine. They didn't feature on me, and I was like, "Cool, that's there pretty we go. cool." I'm going to, you know, we'll share you out. You know, it's like, all right, but uh, how did you get involved in that? Because that's now once again, yep. you're on TV. I understand that, and, and Ken, you know, Ken's yep. shaker remover. You guys are both shaker removers, and Ken likes to be in the spotlight, and he should be. He's yep. an ex eagle, and but Jersey Man's completely different than any tech stuff. So, how did you get involved with that? Yeah, so this was um. Kind of weird, I'll be honest. So I get an email from like kdunnick7 or something at AOL.com. AOL. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> it's like, hey, my friend Bob Hoey, um, who's a great guy. I know Bob for – now I know him for – at the time I didn't know Bob Hoey. says uh, we should meet that you could be very helpful to me in this new endeavor basically that I'm working on. So I'm like, only two problems here. I'm like, who the hell's Bob Hoey and who the hell's Ken Dunnick? And he's like his signature's like ex-Eagle or, you know. I'm like, okay. So I meet him at the Marlton Diner. So um, 
He's showing me this concept for a magazine on his iPad and asking me to advertise. Now, my world advertising for me just doesn't really work because you're not going to outsource your you know 100-person company's IT department because you see me with my thumbs up in a magazine or you know you got to make sure we can do the work. So I said, Ken, listen, I can't help you with advertising right now. But I said, you need to get a board or something. He's like, well, I can't afford a board. I don't even have, like, he didn't have a magazine printed at this point, right? So um, I said, listen, I'll help you get some good people in the community. He's like, well, I can't pay them. What do I do? I said, listen, just give them a little feature in a magazine every once in a while. People like to help people. So magazines off. I have no ownership, by the way. I'm just literally a friend trying to help a new friend. But I did ask him, like, can you choose him to Bob Howie? Because, and I said, why the hell did Bob Howie? connect us. He goes, he said, I said, I need someone good to connect with the Bob. And he goes, yeah. He's like, I see this kid. I see him all the time, like seven o'clock in the morning at Ponzio's. And then I see him every night somewhere, 10, 11 o'clock with a martini in his hand. And guess what? The next morning he's at Ponzio's again. Cause you know, that was kind of like your go-to. So he just basically thought I was out and about, which he was right. So I met Bob and uh, he ended up becoming, he ended up doing some financial work with me. I still work with Bob as a financial advisor. Um, but the magazine wasn't doing too hot, right? Print, ma come on, print magazine post 2000. So I, I forget the exact year, but we're like five years in and the, I'm on Ken's board, obviously, and the magazine's having a bit of a cash crunch. Well, Ken's throwing all these cool parties. And if you advertise, you could go and for prospective advertisers. Well, what would people do? I'll be advertising next month. They all go to the party for free and do all that. So I came up with the idea of the Legacy Club. Now, Ken was smart of me. I made it a one-time fee because he just needed some money to keep the business going. Ken's like, why don't we do it annually? I'm like, the one partner's like, oh, you'll get like 15, 20 people. I'm like, listen, guess what? You got BCA, Ron Jaworski's group, which is great, charging 15, 18, 20,000 a year. He got 100 members. I'm like, like, listen, if we can't get 100 people in here, we suck. So that worked out pretty well. And at that point, you know, Ken's partners were aging out a little bit, and he approached me about buying in because, you know, I was bringing ideas, and, you know, he truly knew I believed in the concept. I was Mr. Jersey Man there for a while. And um, so, yeah, we've been doing this together, and we're off of we're off of another really good year. You know, everyone was really happy with the results, and uh, the Dunnick family does a really good job, you know, keeping things organized, keeping it together. It's, you think, you think you're throwing like 12, 12 events a year? It's a lot of work, so I'm glad they do it and not me. So that's how that helps with my bandwidth. Now- Networking, you're you're, you've had to network, and I always say, you know, coming from that, like when I did stand up comedy, I had a business degree, and I, I knew how to network, and that's why I got a lot of gigs. People would say, you know, well, how'd you get booked? I said, well, because I hung out and talked to him, and I was his wingman, and I drank with him. Yeah, and then he'd say, hey, do you work for this guy? And I'd say, I want to. Oh, let me call them, and that was networking. I learned, I learned at a young age, and I think. And when I was 22, I learned that. And then even like with networking, when we're in college, we want to go to a good party. Yep. You network. You go, oh, do you know such and such? What do you love about networking and what makes you a good networker? You know, I just love people, right? I grew up in the bar business. So, you know, some of my best memories are when my dad used to take me to the bar when I was a kid and I'd talk to people. And so I was always a bit of an, a bit of an extrovert. And, um, you know, I just love hearing people's stories. I love hearing what's going on, you know, <clears throat> like the sharing of ideas, right? Like I, some of my best business ideas are just Frankenstein from other people. I hear some person say this, some person say that. I'm like, I really like that about that one. I, so it just kind of, it kind of juices me up and, you know, it's networking with the right people too. There's some organizations and some groups where it's, you know, they're out there with their business cards in their hand and it's like, yeah, let's stay a little bit, you know? The line I always use with networking is, especially with when we hire salespeople, like don't go for the kill on the first day, right? Like, let's let's say I met you at the bar, and my car breaks down, and I know you for a day. 
I'm not going to be like, hey, yo, can I, can I sleep over? I can't get home. Now, if I know you for five years and we shared drinks together, we've been to some parties, it's not going to be that weird. But, you know, some people, I think some people just, and I think some of it's innate, right? You could learn to be a better networker, but you can't change your own personal tendencies, right? If you're an introvert that can't make eye contact with someone and that's just your thing, and that's okay, there's nothing wrong with it, you're probably going to not be the best outside networker. You know, I so said, I think there is some, something in your DNA. Well, I also think sometimes when you go to network, you know, and I've always felt this way, and I don't want to sound callous, but I, I don't I don't go to networking events to make friends. Okay, now given, I've become friends with people I've networked and it's wonderful. But like, if I go to a networking event, I don't want to sit at the same table with people I know because why am I going to a networking a event when I could sit there and say, hey, why don't we just go somewhere and get drunk? Yeah. You know, so that's the one thing. I think, I think sometimes people, they have this feeling that they want to be included and we all want to be included i understand that but sometimes they take it to the next level and you're like you're like wait a second you know yeah i'm not i'm not coming to your baby shower i don't right. even know you so now with that saying said and that's the one thing i don't like about networking when people try to get very clickish I mean, that's yep. fine but there's clicks anywhere anywhere you go anywhere there's, you go. there's always politics what do you not like about networking what bothers you like you would like to change the thing I don't like about that, we're kind of one of the things you said earlier when we started, right? You're trying to leave. You're clearly trying to leave. And then someone just grabs you. There's folks that will sometimes really try to monopolize your time. And really the last thing that I dislike about networking, there are a lot of disingenuous people out there where they give you the fake compliments. They butter you up. And then, oh, by the way, you know, my son needs a job. Or can you make this call for me? I know you know that person. And, you know, really, really on what you said, right? So- a lot of my friends, I would say 80, 85% of my good friends have come through the business community. But it's a very small number. It could be 100, but I've met 5,000 people. That's probably way more than that. But um, you know what I do at these networking events is I try to go through, say hi, you know, grab 15, 20 cards of people that seem interesting. And then what I'll do is of those 15 cards, I look and if there's three or four that I could actually help, I'll reach out to them and say, hey, why don't we grab a cup of coffee? Let's get to know each other, grab a beer, lunch. And that's where it builds. And then naturally, some of them, over time, become friends. Now, how do you deal with it, though? Because you are, like with Jersey Man and TV and, you know, a, a very successful business owner. You know, it's not, this isn't in a bad way that I say you're a target. And that's not like you're not yep. like a target. Oh, we're yeah, going to assassinate like a, him. Yeah. But you're going to be a target that people want to talk to, okay? Yeah. Because you're a shaker or mover, as I said earlier. You're a juggernaut. What is, can a person be a juggernot? Nah, I, I doubt. Well, I think well, I'm going to call you a juggernaut. That's just, maybe, maybe Elon Musk. That's exactly. about it. So, no, but so how do you, how, in the years, how has it changed? Because, you know, you're the you're the big fish in the little pond. Yep. And that has to be hard because, like you said, you know, you don't want to be a dick. And even and that's what people don't understand. Like you could be you could be in a rush. Like that's why yep. I didn't approach you. But if, if I said, "Hey, what's up?" You're like, "I'm on my way out." I would have said, "Okay, well, he's, he's on his way out." But some people would be like, "Oh, Anthony Mangaluso is an need, asshole." I just need two minutes. I yeah. just need two or minutes. Be like, he'd be like, "That guy's an asshole. He didn't even talk to me." How do you deal with that? Because you must constantly get that when you go to an event. It must be like you walk in and it's like like a bunch of people. How do you deal with that and just try to be civil when a lot of times most people will be understanding if you aren't civil because. It's a pain in the ass to yeah. do it every time you go out. It's like a, a you know an actor walking down the street. Oh, what do you? I saw you on TV. How do you deal with that now? So it's kind of funny. I'll give you a tale of two Anthony's. Okay, so a lot of times that does happen. But the other thing is, like I've always stayed true to my roots. I've been networking in this community so long. I would say 60, 70% of the people 
we know each other from when, right? They know me from when I was 10 employees, 15, because that's when I really started to get out there. And um, you know, some of the newer folks will get hit up. It's a little, it's a little rough because, again, having 200 team members, people see dollar signs too because, hey, why? I want, I want bigger the client, the better for us too, right? Um, so, yeah, it gets tough. I've gotten very good at being quick but not curt, if that makes any sense. Um, and people know I'm very open. Like, I'll give them my cell phone. Like, I don't hide my cell phone number for people. Or, hey, listen, I really got to get around to see a few people here today. You know what? I'll see you at the next event. Or maybe if there's something that we need to talk about, we get lunch. So, I really, and I mean it too. Like, if you see all the lunches and all the crazy stuff on the calendar. But now let's let's go to Red Bank, right? So, I just started an office in Red Bank. Um, I go to stuff up there. I almost want that Jersey Man chamber feel where people rush me. I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, because it's not, it's not Fox 29 up there. It's Fox 5 New York, right? And, you know, there's not as much juice at that office, right? We have a great office in Red Bank, but it's five people. So there's not that same allure. But I will say this. It's kind of crazy. So when I first got on TV, I got some of those asshole comments, right? Oh, he must be on TV. He must be too good, right? Well, what happened was after two years of me just playing my game, like I'm not, I'm not engaged and I'm not. Now I got, oh, this is my friend Anthony. He's on TV. So it, it switched, right? Think of how, how bad this was, right? So my first tech tank was a GMC uh, Arcadia. Not a big car by any means. I ripped out the middle seat. I put a titanium movable desk in there and had a driver. So it wasn't like the tech tank now, which is basically like a limo party bus with a full office. You know, I used to have to park like three, four blocks away when my driver would take me there. Don't, no, don't put me out front of there. People are like, oh, you must be charging too much money that you could afford this. Like, no, my time at that point was probably like $90 billable an hour. I just picked up four billable hours every day because I was able to work remotely from the car and get stuff done. And now people are like, oh, go look at the tech tank. So it kind of goes full circle, but you do. Look, my COO said it best sometimes, and I'm not saying we're a shiny object. The tech tank was and the TV thing was. People throw rocks at shiny objects, right? Those same people a lot of times, the ones that put you up, if you get a little too far away from the pack, they want to kind of pull you back down. Explain the tech tank. I mean, is that is that your idea? Is that mm -hmm. your now? Where did you come up with that? Because that's just once again, it's entrepreneurship. You're trying to get things going. Where? Tell me more about the tech tank. So what happened was, I I got I was driving God sixty thousand miles, fifty thousand miles a year, all over the place doing tech work. Well, I'm a texter and a driver, right? Not a good idea. So I hit someone, and um, had to pay. You know, I paid the car off and did all the stuff. Just the day, like a week later, I, I gave them a check. I got hit in the same spot. So I said, listen, if I'm going to be in business and going to be alive, I need a driver. That's the bottom line because I am going to text and drive. So that's when I got my Arcadia. But then I hired this guy, Rick Sayers. He's retired now. He worked for all these limo companies and all. So he had a pedigree of driving all the truck driver, you know, 18-wheelers and all that. He's like, yo. I know these guys that could build cars, like big things. Why don't you get something big? So I went to Lakeview Custom Coach, who ironically enough, uh, within the next week or so, the new tech tank, which will have a bathroom, full bathroom and sink in there, uh, should be debuting very soon. But basically, I allowed them to use all their knowledge of limos and sound systems and you know their kind of tech. And I combined it with my tech, which was printers, monitors, computers. So literally, the tech tank is a full mobile office on wheels. Um, it has a refrigerator, great sound system, live TV through YouTube TV, wet bar, uh, anything that you possibly need. 
The new one, I even, you know, we had the upper game. You can't just do the same thing. So the new one has an espresso maker as the Italian and me and um, that full bathroom now. So it's it's just really, it's a really high tech. How big is it? Uh, it's huge. I mean, I I don't even know, 13 foot. Four, the new, I can tell you this, the one currently is pretty big. The new one's four foot longer. But okay, I'm trying to get the concept. Wait, so you're always in this? I, I don't understand. Like, yeah. you, so you 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 don't go to your office. You you, you sit you stay in the tech tank. So what what we do is so I have a guy on staff. He's great, Pete. And um, what I do is every Friday send him the schedule. So Pete has his own driving service and you know does all that. So he just makes himself available for me during the week. And then when he gets the schedule, he could fill in other stuff. So for instance, coming here today, right? My office is five miles from here, not even, and it's the day before Christmas Eve. Pete's off. We're not letting Pete drive. So what I try to do is, in my head, if there's any run that's going to be more than like 20 minutes, let's say, each way, I have a driver. So sometimes, let's say, let's say I don't have Jersey Man and all that stuff till, you know, we have to leave at four, but I have nothing going on during the day or all Zoom calls or whatever. I'll drive to the office. I'll drive home, leave my car there because you can't leave a Jersey Man event not not with a driver, right? You have a couple of drinks there, and um, he'll pick me up. So it really varies based on the schedule, but I would say pre-pandemic. I was physically in the car, in the tech tank, for about 35 hours a week. I would say with the new world, which I don't really like that much, it's about 25 hours a week. So I'm still getting three work days. You got to show me a picture of the tech oh, tank. I will, I, I will. I'm excited to see this. I'm like, shit, where was this when I got married? I could have uh -oh. used it. I had to get a limo. It's so funny. I got this limo and my, my, my buddy in from LA and at a small wedding party. My, and I was like, dude, don't just, I, like, you're staying in a hotel, just get an Uber to my place and come to Lonely. So we have this huge limo and then, you know, then I get dropped off to the church and they go get all the women but I was like, the tech tank would have yeah. been perfect. You know, it's like shit. Well, so I'll, I'll tell you this real fast about the tech tank, right? I As much as I had the little tech tank, right? The little tech tank, you couldn't drink in or do anything like that. This one you could legally drink in because there's a full divider and based on the law in New Jersey. I'm joking. I'm like, man, if I was, if I had the full tech tank before I was 30, would I have been successful? That would have been a party bus and who knows. So when I got the tech tank, you know, the new one, you know, I'm married, two kids, well, one kid at the time, one daughter, now I have two. And um, yeah, I would have probably got myself in a little trouble. I'm, my my laser focus on work might not have been as laser focused because the thing's fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. I got, I got one final question for you. Yeah. What, what do you see? What, what, this is going to be a two-parter. One is, what do you see coming up? Because when this airs, well, this will be airing right before New Year's Eve. This oh, will excellent. air next week. So we're looking at 2023. It's a new year. What are your goals for 2023? And then what are your long-term goals? Because, you know, there's got to be a point where you, you're, you seem to me like one of those people that's never going to retire. And you just sit there because it's in you. It's like performers. They don't retire. But what are your goals for 2023? And then what are your long-term goals. Yep. So 2023, a um, couple easy goals there. So uh, Chris Church, part of my team, he's uh, leading the efforts uh, for us in Red Bank. So we really want to expand that location, um, you know, all through Central Jersey and New York. And uh, we're putting a lot of time, a lot of effort into that. Uh, JD, my man, he's coming up for a holiday party. He's out of Boston. We have an office in Boston and we want to get that rolling. And uh, we have an office in California that we want to get moving. So the goals are to really grow those offices and then really focus on our AWS product line because we have a lot of talent in-house. What is AWS? Uh, sorry, Amazon Web Services. So cloud stuff. Um, so yeah, and then yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny, I'm 42. And I mean, I feel like I'm 20, right? I'm working out better than I ever had thanks to during the pandemic, I was supposed to get an awful surgery 
and they canceled electives, right? I had a couple ligaments missing in my ankle. And I found this cha- trainer who changed my life. I mean, I'm lifting weights higher than I did in college, 30 pounds lighter. I mean, so I feel fit is in my mind. I'm like, I'm more driven. I'm ready to go. So, I mean, I just want to see how far we could take this and all the other companies. I mean, I think cyber with all the, um, you know, ransomware related attacks and the way the industry is going has a tremendous opportunity to grow 10x. Uh, Liberty Fox, which I just got involved with with February. They've been around for 10 years. I was referring them business. We just had our best year ever, best top line year ever. So, I think by melding all these companies together, because they're all complementary and they're all such great people, you know, let's just let's just see how much ass we could kick, right? I don't know how big the ass is going to be, but we're going to keep kicking, you know. So I think that, that's really where we're going. There's there's no end in sight. Well, that's awesome, man. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, and how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can send me an email, Anthony at helpmepcs.com. It, we used to be pro computer service, so helpmepcs.com. That's okay. That's great. Well, people go check him out. Go to LinkedIn. He, he's on LinkedIn. You know, he's got a follow him on LinkedIn. And he's on Twitter. He's got a blue check. I got a blue I, check. I, I, pay, I, I pay for it, though. They won't, they won't give it to me. I had to pay. I thought you had the real one. I, I, I don't. Fake check. Fake oh, man. Check. No, but you should have one because you're on TV. I, I, got, I got denied. And I'm like, I, you know, I, and I know I know some people, though, who have real checks. I'm like, how the hell do they? I mean, you're on TV. You're a business owner. You should have a real And I'm, I'm someone who's... I mean, I've seen some people with blue checks. Go, yeah. How did they get a real blue check? I'm like, they, they, they haven't done shit. I have a friend. She was nominated for five Emmys for the show Newhart, yep. Julia Druffy. She can't get a blue check. We were up for an Emmy. I was up for See, with that, Joyce Evans. So wait a second. Real fast on this. I'm going to go on my Twitter tangent. So thanks, Elon, for letting me buy a check at least. So at the one point, now I'm exclusive to Fox right now, right? I only go there. But I was doing CBS, NBC, Fox National, Fox Local, you know, over a thousand when I applied, probably 600 segments in the can, right? Some syndicated across. We had the Emmy nomination. There's a girl. I won't say her name because she's great. This isn't her fault. She's on like once every three months and has her own podcast, which is great. Not many followers. She gets a blue check. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It, it's all bullshit. I know. So, I, it's crazy. So anyway, so people, go follow him on Twitter and just just think it's his real uh, check. Anyway, so people, Anthony Mongeluso, thank you for coming on. Uh, people, you can listen to past episodes of this show at thecooptank.podbean.com or on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Amazon Music. Also, listen to my other entertainment podcasts, over 938 episodes. Uh, upcoming episodes are uh, Al Stewart of Year of the Cat and Vonda Shepard who you knew from uh, Allie McBeal she was a musician you can find that at coopertalk.net email me thecooptank at yahoo.com and if you want a uh, a good high quality interview come into the studio Joe my producer Joe Ganjami he will uh, he will film us and we can set it up and you'll have a great quality for your website your social media and I know what I'm doing so people have a happy 2023 check on Anthony Mangeluso I'm Steve Cooper and you guys have a great day <laughs> <laughs>